G'day, buddy mine. It's 24th of May, Wednesday. The week is flying and we are going to cover, maybe for the last time, we're nearly hoping for the last time because even we're getting sick of this deal, Trav. St. Barbara have come back to Silver Lake Resources yesterday afternoon saying that they will not be engaging with them regarding their unconditional proposal, which heads towards the fact that at this stage, Genesis will be taking control of the Leonora assets unless some more wild twists and turns get put in with bigger deals and uh, that force St. Barbara's hand. Travis. Hey, mate. Mate. I'm looking forward to some new news. Have we got another deal we can talk Do about? Do you reckon everyone else is holding off on their own news waiting for this to um, – because they don't want us to uh, be right. consumed by this and they want us to cover it. I so. think so. I think if you, were, if you were doing another deal, you would you would rightfully wait for this one to be over so that you knew we were going to talk about it. Well, I've, <laughs> I've got good mail that Alba Mail is actually waiting for this to conclude so we can start covering <laughs> the uh, Line Town takeover. Yeah, I'm, so. I'm, sure, I'm sure that, uh, that you're the first person that they would uh, call. And now, now, speaking of mail – now, we'll, we will go over why there was a comment in the AFR yesterday that uh, David Baker from Baker Steel, who mm-hmm. was uh, one of the two major shareholders for St. Barbara, yep. the other shareholder is L1 Capital, which said in Silver Lake's announcement that they will be voting in favour of the Silver Lake deal. Okay, yep. so now David ba- Baker Steel wasn't included in this. Uh, Silver Lake announcement, but yesterday in the Fin Review, uh, David Baker was uh, quoted saying that he was. Uh, I got the exact um, quote here, Maddie. Well, I was going to paraphrase, but I reckon exact quote would probably exact be quote, better. The exact quote is great. I think the whole. This is quoting David Baker, and this and this came out like not long after St. Barbara announced, but it felt like an hour after. So it was. Surprise, it, it surprise was, you didn't was, ring us, Dave. It was anyway. pretty orchestrated, just from a, a rebuttal perspective. I thought, yeah. given the timing of the release. Um, and so David Baker quote, the whole episode is very disappointing from a St. Barbara shareholder perspective. Mr. Baker, who holds 8.25% of stock, knowing that Silver Lake had expressed interest prior, why didn't St. Barbara engage with Silver Lake on the Genesis bid renegotiations to get some competitive tension? Now shareholders have been put in a difficult situation where timing and deadlines muddy the waters. Let's see how it plays out, but a lot of question marks over the board and management of St. Barbara. Okay, so the, and this is following on from the comments in the St. Barbara announcement yesterday titled Correcting the Record, which is uh, St. Barbara's, you know, probably the most direct language we've seen so far back towards Silver Lake. And they specifically said uh, St. Barbara confirms that Silver Lake first approached St. Barbara in mid-2022 and subsequently in September 22 regarding an acquisition of St. Barbara. So, and then in this time, they are in the discussions with, uh, and it says, in merger discussions with Genesis and Red 5. It said three other companies, so there's another one too. Yep, yep. So, and I wonder why they say mid-22, not, not actually naming a month there when they named September. Yes, it was that bit was a tad vague, but okay, so... They've approached them. Now you've got, remember, you've got the, the Hoover House um, deal happening, which included a no shop, no talk. 
that, that was that was announced December. Yeah. Yep. So that's so that's that, announced December. So they, they had opportunity before then to put a proposal in. Yeah. So they're saying Silver Lake made the first the first piece of communication with them September, and they should have provided a bid before December when the Hoover House transaction was announced. Yep. But they're basically saying they didn't. There was no other kind of piece of communication that went um, that went in the opposite direction after December because they were bound by. The exclusivity. No, no shop, no talk. So uh, if you look at that that point saying, Silver Lake is saying St. Barbara didn't let us in the door, whereas St. Barbara is saying, well, Silver Lake did not provide an actual proposal, like a, an offer for us to let them in the door. So that's the, I guess, the two arguments from both sides. Mm. You can argue who's right, who's wrong, but they were, that is from what their opinion is from either party. So then, okay, so now the, the Hoover House deal gets recut, which is the spin-out of Phoenician Metals, Genesis taking majority control of the Leonora assets and that was um, plenty plenty going on in that one. Okay, fast forward, bit of a history recheck for everyone here. St. Barbara go into more debt um, in potentially breaching their debt covenants and mm, there which, is... Which is a breach of the CP on you know it's actually a condition precedent of one of this this of one of the of the scheme so that they had a scheme implementation deed with with um genesis and and this you know like debt um that debt threshold was actually going to result in a um in a, in a breach of that cp okay and now genesis have said right we want the deal recut now now i know you've posed the question trav and this ties into the whole no shop no talk thing you've posed the question that okay when the deal was getting recut why wasn't the phone picked up to silver lake to say we're about to recut a deal yeah are you interested uh, do you want to put an offer in yeah so this is, to, this to is in create, april cre- create yeah. some ke- competitive tension yeah in, at, yeah so we're talking april now um there's, you know, there's a trading halt because, you know, behind the scenes, a deal is getting recut. Um, and yeah, yeah, effectively my, my question, and, and it looks like David Baker's as well, by the looks of that uh, quote in the AFR, my question is at the point that it, it the, the um, corporate deal ended this, you know, complicated bloody corporate merger and spin out an IPO at the point where that ended and it became an asset transaction. Why, why, did Silver Lake not get a phone call to express, you know, a value bid for the Leonora assets only, which is a completely, you know, different transaction to a corporate deal. So before it was a corporate merger, it's a completely different transaction in my mind. And and you could have had a better value outcome. You could have used the, the value indication from Silver Lake to play off Genesis and get, you know, the best possible value outcome for St. Barbara shareholders at that point in time. Okay. Now, the no shop, no talk, this was, that is from the scheme related to the Hoover House side of things, that says, right, St. Barbara can't go and shop the deal out without someone else coming over. Someone else would have to provide a proposal, an an offer for for them to be able to shop it because there's potential for a superior proposal. Yeah, you can have deal protection as in, you know, don't don't shop the deal, but you you can't contract out your fiduciary obligations. So, you know, in that case, it's sort of the onus is on someone else to come in over the top unsolicited. Now that no shop, no talk. So the, we've been given a bit of mail here, and we've uh, we've got the uh, we've got the proof of the mail, which is <laughs> geez, that's good for us, Trav. Now the mail, I guess the mail I've got is that Saint Barbara, even during that recut stage, was still under the no shop, no talk um, obligation 
with Genesis saying that even during after when that deal was getting recut, they couldn't shop the deal out. So, and, and an example of shopping the deal out would be picking up the phone and calling Silver Lake and saying, "What's your offer? Come, what a verbal thing without without them putting in a proposal." And I guess your your question is then, well, why are they still bound to that no shop if the deal's getting recut? Mm-hmm. But yep. we yep. have then looked at the. Scheme scheme implementation deed that came out in December. For Hoover yeah. House. And we, we, well, to be honest, we had to rely on some um, external legal advice. Thank you, Mr. Spectre, for providing a perspective here because... A perspective. <laughs> a perspective. <laughs> <laughs> uh, highbrow, highbrow laughs here, Maddie. Um, yeah. The way, the way it's been relayed to us from, you know, a, 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 the point of view of a lawyer um, is ultimately that at the... At, when it looks like a CP in the scheme implementation deed is not going to be satisfied, then there is a consultation period um, on on the failure of that condition precedent. You can actually see that in in the scheme implementation deed section three point seven there. Yeah. So if you go into the uh, announcement of uh, merger of St Barbara and Genesis to form Hoover House, if you go down down to all the uh, legal fine print that no one probably reads, section three point seven talks about uh, a breach of the condition precedent. Um, yeah, which in this case was a net debt threshold, yeah. Yeah, and so, and then if you go down to failure to agree, it says... Uh, it's if, essentially this consultation period um, where there's five business days where the, you know, the parties can um, agree, like, you know, need to come together and, and agree um, a recut deal effectively or along those lines. And, and during this process... They're sort of, you know, st- still still bound by the the exclusivity of the existing deal, um, and and ultimately kind of provides a bit of, you know, bloody protection for the incumbent. Well, it's, and it's it's the benefit is towards the incumbent, yep. which so the incumbent is Genesis. So they've they've got these five business days where they can have a point to re recut the deal without St. Barbara being allowed to shop out the deal. In absence of someone coming in with a with an actual non-binding proposal that would be possibly deemed superior. So I guess with all that information together, that satisfies and probably answers the question of David Baker that he had in the Fint review saying, why wasn't this um, put out to Silver Lake during this recut? I guess this yeah. uh, section 3.7 and 3.8 in the initial scheme is is why. If I was David Baker, I'd still be bloody grumpy. Oh, of course you would. Like, imagine how much he's bloody lost on St. Barbara. Well, Shitloads, well it's not just that, but it's like in the real world, the, the, the exclusivity parts are kind of, um, yeah, they're, they're, it's like... Uh, there are absolutely deals you can point to where, um, you know, at this point where it looks like a, a deal is going to blow up, there are alternatives that happen. So um, I'd still be grumpy if I was David Baker because, you, you, you know, you get to this point and you're kind of looking around and you're thinking, I could have gotten a fair bit extra here, um, yeah. which, heck. And, and, and I suppose so- we're, get, we're, we're finding there, I guess, the, the legal reasoning why this is the case but there's not saying that there wasn't any other. Um, not saying there's anything that happens on the on the street that where another offer could could come in. But this is, I guess, the legal reasoning why that this is the case to answer that. Mm. So it's um, yeah. I'm keen to talk about some some other stuff in the in the announcement that I thought was interesting, Maddie. You can uh, you can do that, especially from our chairman 
Kerry Gleeson. There was some um, some sentences that stuck out to me. Silver Lake had uh, have waited till the eleventh hour to do this. It oh, was, that's um, a good one. I'll get to that. I will get to that. I might, I, I, look, I'll, I'll start at the start and I'll just give some running commentary of some things that I thought were really interesting. Um, I did notice in their calculations of premiums, they are referencing uh, share price at a point in time, not a VWAP. Very interesting. Um, so, and, and it's also referencing an intraday share price in one of the, the premiums reference, which, but I've never seen, I've never seen a premium reference to an intraday share price before. And I think what that does is it just paves a premium in, in a more favorable light than if you were to kind of do a VWAP. Um, but a VWAP, you know, is like, it's just a more, I guess, like I'd take honest way of presenting a premium. So I suppose you can, you can assume that, um, St. Barbara are trying, uh, putting the, premium in wording the premium in a way that sells the Genesis deal best to their shareholders to say that this is why <laughs> we are going with um, an offer that is not considered yeah. a premium on a value yeah. perspective. It, it's, it's a like, yeah, it's, it's framing things, right? And it's, and when you frame things, I think like when you, when you, when you engage in presenting data in a framed way, I often think sometimes the way that the, um, the thinking behind that data is often you have the answer in mind and then you're trying to find the data to support the answer rather than looking at the data objectively and making a decision. I think that what we've learnt during this um, whole process, Trav, is that <laughs> which share prices can be uh, very – a wide range of share prices between intraday's VWAP and when you take the VWAP <laughs> can be used in so many different ways to form what this premium is and there is no way to actually figure out what the exact premium is unless there's a bloody oh, rule yeah. that is put out that says you have to use this, you have to use this well, calculation. You well, you should. I mean, it's like, yeah, a sophisticated investor knows to look for a VWAP premium. Um, it's sort of, yeah, corporate finance 101 there. Uh, but what's what period is the VWAP supposed to be over? Oh, you should do you should you should do a bunch like yeah. like yeah. I mean, the right way to show a premium in a in a merger is like in reference to a few different VWAPs, and and, and you should have some like level of knowledge of the volatility of that share price over time. And yeah. so you know you, you just be a bit sophisticated about it. I'm sure in their internal docs they they do all that sort of stuff. But this is just a public announcement where they, they they're not showing it in that way. Anyway, I'll, I'll move on. Um, I love the way that they, they title the two separate deals. So they, they give them these, so the binding Genesis transaction. And then when they talk about the Silver Lake one, it's, uh, what do they call it? It's the revised non-binding indicative and conditional proposal. So it's, Roz, I didn't yeah. capitalize it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, they do. Uh, that's very funny. But I think it's like, they also call the, um, the, the, the fully financed and shareholder supported Genesis transaction. So they, they, I think like this shareholder supported Genesis transaction, so there's this 49%, you know, Genesis shareholder support. I've been thinking about that one a bit, like how they, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, a sophisticated argument to say that we, we, we're, we're certain that um, almost, we're almost certain that this, you know, Genesis is, shareholders are going to approve this transaction. We've got 49% indicative support. I think, it's a little bit questionable putting out the 49% support but not naming those shareholders. Are you supposed to name them? I think you should. It's like anyone can just write a, a number. But, yeah, I'm, I think I, – I honestly think you should be naming them because your, your shareholders should be consenting to that. 
as yeah. far as and, and when you saw you saw Silver Lake do that whenever they used L1 and Baker Steel, albeit they weren't Silver Lake's shareholders, they were St. Barbara's shareholders. But I don't I don't think it's sort of um, yeah, I, I, I don't think you should be quoting a 49% shareholder support without naming because anyone can put out that number and not verify it. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying it's not the right number, but I'm just saying they should name the shareholders. Okay. And then, look, let's, let's keep going down a, to... A big chunk of that shareholder is rally as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, probably... Oh, probably assume so. Probably, <laughs> <laughs> Oz Super, et cetera, et cetera, right? Uh, oh, mate, here we go. This is, I found this one really interesting. So they, they, they reference um, this quote that must have been on the, the proposal from, um, from Silver Lake. The lack of substance associated with the revised non-binding indicative and confidential proposal is also indicated by the fact that it is stated to express, in quotation marks, current intentions only and is not intended to con- constitute and does not constitute an offer capable of acceptance or otherwise give rise to a binding contract. Mate, that's just like a, <laughs> it's literally like a statement you, you have to put on every um, non-binding proposal from just like a legal stance it's not like yeah it's 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 like a <laughs> a waste of ink is it well it's not a waste. it's like you just have to chuck it on there right but it's like they're, they're pointing it out like it's this big thing we've got doubts over the ability for this to become um well they're, they're just pointing out the fact that it's not binding but but when you when you just cut and paste that you know sentence there it's sort of making more prominent a really kind of like, it's just like a sentence you have to chuck on an MBIO from just like a legal protection perspective, but they're the giving it prominence to sort of undermine its um, validity, I think. So I find that interesting. Oh, what have we got next, Maddie? So. Well, this is, uh, this was the, the one, I guess, Kerry Gleason's comments, the St. Barbara chairman. So Silver Lake was given the opportunity to make a non-binding indicative offer in September last year and did not do so. Instead, Silver Lake has waited until the 11th hour to demand that St. Barbara entertain a disruptive and unrealistic two-week due diligence period, due diligence exercise, without any indication that Silver Lake shareholders will approve it. So... I guess those words are disruptive and unrealistic. 11th um, hour is an interesting one, right? Because it was like, like, like from the outside, I didn't know that uh, doing a deal on the Leonora assets only was possible until, um, you know, until St. Barbara had recut the deal with Genesis in that way. That happened from my memory, 11th of April. And when did they submit their bid? It was... You know, it was bloody, I think it was only 11 days after that. So like 11 days after it becomes obvious you can do an asset deal, doesn't feel like an 11th hour, doesn't feel like an 11th hour. But I think the- Disruption to me. Okay, so for rewind back to last year, Trav. Yeah. Why don't you think Silver Lake have put in a proposal? Because they, they, even with the Hoover House thing still going on, couldn't have Silver Lake still put a proposal in to buy the Leonora assets? They, they could have, but I think like it wasn't, I mean, it, it, like they probably are thinking it's not going to be a favourable um, transaction, you know, given the fact that it looks like they're going to do this corporate merger um, with one of Genesis or Red5 or another company. So, you know, it looks to, it probably looks to them like the real goal here is to have their cash flow issues absolved by um, the balance sheet of another company and um, that, that solves some of the, the, the funding issues around their other assets. The recut basically just chucked a bunch of cash in to solve that problem. Yep. But um, 
yeah, like, uh, like may, may, maybe, maybe it was an option back then. I don't know. Like, you could, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe Silver Lake should have thought about it, to be honest, and just chuck a bunch of cash in. But there's well, obviously so Barbara like, is definitely standing behind the fact that Silver Lake did not put a proposal in it. Yeah, any it's time. like That's it's a worse tax outcome as well. Like when you when when you just do the asset tier, you pay a bunch of tax rather than yeah. So, so it's just like it's an inefficient way to go about it. But yeah, I think that the total purchase price sort of came down as it became an asset deal as well. So yeah, it becomes more accretive in the process of doing it too. Yep. And here's another one. Silver Lake had, uh, and we, we went over it before, first approach in mid-2022 and September 22. We don't know what month this mid was regarding regarding acquisition of St. Barbara. And then uh, they also say Silver Lake had ample opportunity between September and December and in the ensuing period to make a non-binding indicative proposal that would be capable of being considered with over more realistic timeframes. Instead, mm. Silver Lake waited almost five months until 28th of April to make its first non-binding indicative and conditional proposal. So it's, um, yeah. again, standing behind the fact that I guess Silver Lake didn't put an actual proposal in, but it, I guess it doesn't. Um, yeah, they, they basically, like when I, when I read that one, yeah, it sort of, it does ignore, you know, what, what could have happened. Um, yeah, what could have happened in terms of just attracting further interest from Silver Lake at the point where it became an asset deal. I mean, we talked about the limitations in that in relation to, um, you know, some, some of the, the logic in the, in the scheme implementation deed, maybe, you know, flowing through into a consultation period and which gave a benefit to the incumbent. Oh, I'll, I'll give you the next point, Trav. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is, I found this one interesting, right? So the board's conclusion was that it, was unable to identify a realistic pathway by which the uh, revised non-binding indicative and conditional proposal can reasonably be expected to become a superior proposal. Um, yeah, unable to identify a realistic pathway. I mean, we could we <laughs> a realistic pathway. I mean, yeah, I think we could map out a realistic pathway by which that could happen. It's just yeah, you're accepting risk in that equation. So, yeah, I think, I think what they're really saying is that um, the risk that you have to take on in order for this to, to actually, you know, deliver greater returns to our shareholders is too much risk that we're willing to take. And that risk doesn't outweigh the, um, the premium, whichever, however you want to calculate that premium based on whatever share price. It's 10%, 10% they call on it, right? But like, I mean... Well, we should... call it 11, so we're, they're pretty, they're nearly spot on. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> in reference to an intraday share price. Anyway, the, um, it's, it's funny, right? Like 10%, mate, like if you're a fund manager and you're compounding money at 10% every year, you're killing it. Like, that's a great return. Um... <laughs> I don't think we should play down the fact that it's only a 10% like premium. Like it doesn't, it just doesn't pass the, yeah, the, 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 it just, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't pass the meter for me for kind of just kind of playing down the premium immateriality. I think you can talk to the real risks around the conditionality and that's okay. But, um, but like, you know, we, we've got that bit from Jonas sort of saying, um, should be should be jumping over the table, uh, you know, picking grabbing their shirts for that extra ten percent, you know. So I, th I and I think that's a that's a it's a valid perspective Jonas had on that one. Because um, uh, yeah, if you're a shareholder, you want every 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 last bloody bit out of it. If if you were selling your house, Maddie, and uh, and you could get ten percent more, would you? You know, you take it, wouldn't you? Yeah, but <clears throat> if I had, 
But then I look at it from the fact also, like, yes, I'd take 10% more, but I'm like, am I in risk of uh, going, going bankrupt if I... No, not you. Oh, you going bankrupt. Yeah, so if I, if I had some personal personal loan issues that I had to sort out, but I'm like, oh, I could get 10% more, but oh, I could sort them out now. Say the uh, the mafia was after me or something. <laughs> um, there's, uh, yeah, there is there is that side. But, but what, what, if, what if the other person you could do the deal with... Had a bunch of other houses, so it looked like they were good for it, mm. but they didn't have like. And the, the but the bank just had to take a look at the house to give them the funding in order to get the deal done. I and would it would explore, take a little bit longer. I would explore it. You'd yes. explore it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you'd explore it at the risk. Hit, of, they might hit me up for a job after this. Yeah. Trip. And you'd explore it at the risk of the other the other deal falling over. Mm, geez, we're getting into we're getting into virgin territory here. <laughs> I think it's an interesting hypothetical, right? That's it a, is. That's it a, is it's a relatable it is thing. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and whether whether our, your and I views are probably probably different. Whereas I, I I look at the if I weigh up the risk and the Le, the risk the Leonora risk of this of this whole thing working, the risk of this timeline and the way this has panned out. I'd go with the current St. Barbara decision, to be honest, in terms of a plan on how Leonora is going to work for mm. the pro forma uh, value of the shares mm. um, because there's a plan. I'm not no, – but that's the thing. I don't know what Silver Lake's plan was. It wasn't disclosed. They might have had a, another plan to make Gualia and Leonora work. So if I weigh up all the risk, I guess where I'm sitting is that I would go with the – integrated model of genesis and having that potentially work yeah that's that that's my stand you're well, you're probably you you i think you might be on the other side of the fence well i, I just think like uh, and i identify a realistic pathway i, I still kind of come back but to is the that whole, the pathway of the deal or the how the pro form is going to work well it's it's basically saying when don't let you in the door because there's no way that this proposal can actually become superior I still think, like, what's the risk equation for St. Barbara by just letting them do DD? Not much. There is the uh, performance right premium. Yeah, but, but the, <laughs> DD finishes before the vote. Yeah, true. So, so you, could, you could still let it go in parallel, couldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then, um, so then it gives then it gives either the potential for a better deal to come, and if it doesn't come in time, and as we just talked about on Monday, the pressure is on Silver Lake to get it done within that two week period. Yeah. So it's on them. So yeah, if putting it that putting it that way, yes, I would uh, lean towards letting the D, DD happen, and if mm. they don't get it in, and if they put the if they put the bid in, they can still go with the Genesis one mm-hmm. anyway, whether mm-hmm. if they get crucified by the shareholders or not. Yeah. They can still go with it. Yeah, it's it's kind of like when I think of it that way. The kind of it's kind of like if we let you do DD, there's a risk that our shareholders could get really grumpy and that they might not vote through the Genesis transaction. And if they do that, then the Silver Lake one's not sure. We're not sure that that could actually happen because there's these conditions about it. It's, it's almost like not trusting your own shareholders to make the right decision with more information available to them. And but I think based on the fact that their shareholders are probably very grumpy already, based on what Saint Barbara yeah, have done, like, so they wouldn't. But their, and they probably their job don't. is to yeah do what's best for this. It's a, it's interesting. It's an interesting thought process to sort of think about, like yeah, not wanting not wanting your shareholders to vote down something. Yeah, but it's your shareholders that are choosing that, and you're the board of 
representing the shareholders. Even, even when it's all set in stone, Trav, we're still pumping the hypotheticals. It's, uh, that's, oh, what, it's, that's what keeps money of mine going, Cobber. It's the thought process is really intriguing, right? Um, yeah. A significant – oh, here we go, another one. It will be a significant risk to require further funding. So talking about, you know, Silver Lake um, having a significant risk to require further funding. I think that whole um, – like they, they, they make this point about, you know, Silver Lake potentially requiring for further funding, but they also create that narrative of what Silver Lake's share price has done and that's sort of being illustrative that the market doesn't want it, et cetera. And I sort of think they kind of – those two points sort of answer each other because if, if they required further funding, I think the share price goes down because maybe the, the market's pricing in the future equity raising. Um, but then, so St. Barbara are dismissing this Taurus facility. Like St. Bar- Silver Lake were very strong saying we've got a, a debt facility with Taurus, we're fully funded for it, whereas St. Barbara is saying they are not fully funded based on the due diligence that Taurus have to do. Is that right? Uh they they're, they're they're like like they they they're not fully fund not fully funded, um because yeah like the 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 tourists required to do DD correct um but they they are f- once once they get like that DD tick they've got ample cash and and debt to to make the acquisition um so yeah look I thought it was I thought I th- and I I, I think. I thought this, this, this sentence was really interesting, Maddie. Should St. Barbara lose the binding Genesis transaction either as a result of disruption to the shareholder meeting or undue delay resulting from the distraction of St. Barbara engaging with Silver Lake? Hmm. So <laughs> it's coming down to that, like, like we spoke about, they're really, they're really kind of talking about we're not going to allow DD because at the risk it could... You know, we could lose the Genesis transaction as a result of disruption to the shareholder meeting. How does that like? <laughs> how does that work? How do you get disruption disruption to the shareholder meeting? I think, like, let's think that one through. How do you lose it's the Genesis transaction happen. due to disruption to the shareholder meeting? It's sort of like I think it's kind of what they mean by that is like the the noise and the um, all of the the media and the shareholder potential shareholder support for a different proposal could result in the Genesis transaction being voted down. So it's, again, it's that sort of argument of like, we trust ourselves to know what's best instead of the shareholders to know what's best. Um, and this come back, comes back to your point where they yeah. haven't got faith in what their shareholders are going to vote for, well, yeah. probably possibly that they're yeah. disgruntled. It's a bold perspective. They do have more information than their shareholders like by, by virtue of the fact that they've got you know access to um, – a bunch more, yeah. All, all of Genesis's private stuff and all of um, all of St. Barbara's private stuff, right? They, they've got, yeah, the info to to make a better decision. But it, it's an interesting kind of you know view of a board, I think, nonetheless. Um, or undue delay resulting from the distraction of St. Barbara engaging with Silver Lake. Undue delay. So how do you how do you how can you lose the Genesis transaction as a result of undue delay? from the distraction of St. Barbara engaging with Silver Lake. Well, the, the, the thing they'd lose would be the performance rights getting converted into shares, but they wouldn't lose the transaction. Yeah. Yeah, well, like, but, the, yeah, I mean, there's still, there's still a vote. So it's like undue delay. But wouldn't they, if that timeline played out and the, the sil- what would happen then if the, the Silver Lake deal, um, the Silver Lake DD goes, takes it all past that July 1st 
whether that's the that's the performance rights not being converted into shares. But then the fact that say that DD period is going while and then the shareholder vote is happening. So that's saying that the shareholder, the only way that the Silver Lake DD would then, that binding offer that would come out of that would get accepted is that the shareholder vote would have to vote against the Genesis deal. That is a, that, because that, that vote is penciled in for that. I think it was June 20. Mm. That vote would have to be voted against for then. That, that's the yeah. only way the Silver Lake deal would have got over, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I think, I think it's sort of like, Oh, mate, like, like the four, I think it comes down to the, the capital raising piece in some ways. Like what, um, like, like we know that there's this, you know, $400 million capital raising and it's, it's con conditional, it's a conditional placement, but I don't know what the terms of the conditional placement are. So I think the real risk that they're probably speaking to there um, is that, yeah, something stretches out the process that, that, you know, the, the, this conditional equity is no longer, um, in place anymore and we'd actually have to go back and refirm it all up and share prices and, and the macro environment's different so maybe it's not as doable but i still think like to your point on the dd thing like i couldn't you agree to due diligence on the condition that it is completed within two weeks and that's firm and then if it's not completed in two weeks no deal yeah i could, could is yeah, that, that i'm well, a that, lawyer but can, can't the, you do that well that's that's the way i'll read that that is saying that ed would they, probably go longer if they, if they right. engage silver lake and the dd is still ongoing while the shareholder meeting is happening then shareholders going to be like well i'm gonna not vote in favor of genesis because i want to see what silver lake come out with so that's how i read that disruption but as you said there should be a um a period put on that like if you haven't got dd done with before the shareholder meeting and and an offer submitted, it mm. won't be considered. Can you do that? I th I would have thought so. Yeah, I'm mate. Yeah, I'm like it just you set the parameters of of DD that um, yeah, yeah agree to the parameters of a due diligence period that could actually result in a realistic pathway to this becoming a superior proposal. And I think that's kind of your way through if you wanted to open the door. Yeah. But yeah, really interesting one, mate. I think um, the like the takeaway is. Um, it's pretty hard from for, from here for, for Silver Lake to to create an outcome. I think like it's you know, and you can see that their their probable strategy is um is the sort of the shareholder like rallying the shareholders. Um, so you know they, they talk about L one there. I could still come out with a statement in the AFR about an hour after. Probably not a coincidence. Um, I don't know about their realistic probability of of getting more shareholders to really speak up and create noise and, and if they can't meaningfully move the dial there then I, i'm not sure they've got you know much left that they can um really really do on this front i mean there are other alternatives with the shareholders they could buy shares themselves they could um see see if l1 will, will do the 249d um but you know like it's just a it's just creates more noise but, but as one of those shareholders it, would you now, um, would you vote against the G Genesis deal knowing that, okay, based on the timeline, if you vote against it, yeah. Silver Lake is still doing, um, potentially doing DD, like hypothetically say yeah. the binding offer was not in yet mm. and Genesis yeah. um, gets voted against and yeah. are out of the race and then Silver Lake then drop Yeah, well, like in this situation, if, if there's no, like if, if – yeah, if I, if there's no change between now and a vote, and if I was a St. Barbara shareholder, I would vote for the Genesis deal. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because if Genesis yeah. um, get if that deal gets voted against, yeah. then that is Genesis then have the right to pull out, wouldn't they? Without yeah, it's a condition. It's a condition that it requires approval. So, so yeah, it's so if it gets approved against yeah. it, they're waiting on a binding offer from Silver Lake. Silver Lake then aren't competing against Genesis at all, and they could mm. their binding offer could come in lower. Uh, yeah, that's potentially. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. I guess that's that's in favour of again, why yeah. the. The safe bet. Maybe it's a condition breach again where you have that five-day um, consultation period again, mate. I don't know. God, we'll be working yeah. a bloody lab and legal before we know it, travel oh, with mate. this sort of knowledge. I think we... Um, we've flogged this horse to death, haven't we? Big time. <laughs> right, mate, we've got, to, we've got to better go for our coffee. I've backed it back till 9.30, mate. Um, <laughs> do we want to give a quick recap of other stuff? Like there was a, a Gascoigne, yeah, a good friend, Simon Lawson, friend of the show, chucked out some uh, deep deepest intersections that they're never never highlighting some extensions at depth there 29 meters at 11 grams so very very uh quick yeah. uh sheffield resources report that they're 50 owned thunderbird mineral sands project in the kimberley i love it trav loves getting a bit of mineral sands in here you got a soft spot for the sands don't you so yeah. that's uh 85 complete with first delivery of products still expected in q1 2024 and you've got aic mines which is a1m They've put out their 2023... Almanac. Almanac. Yeah, on the Eloise project. What the hell's an almanac? Well, I, mate, so I read... Actually, I, I put this in here. It's not a market-sensitive announcement, but I just... I read the title and I thought, I love that because um, it just reminds me of... Um, Charlie Munger's got, you know, great Charlie's almanac um, and it's just a, a bunch of wisdom from him. But the way that, like, the actual definition of an almanac is kind of an annual publication and... Um, and what AIC Mines is doing here is they're, they're putting out, they did one in 2022 and there's one in 2023 and it's just all the information in one presentation on the Eloise project in super depth. I just like it as a concept. So it's like a, um, an updated mine plan, like mine information. Yeah, it's kind of like an information yeah. memorandum in some ways, but they're That's just sort good. of using the word almanac and, 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 and giving some level of investor assurity that they're going to keep updating them at regular intervals about all of the things you need to know about this project. Yeah, very good. Nice. Yeah. And as JD hacked into the notes here, Trav, <laughs> I love this concept. Oh, that's, that's just that's that's me writing. I love this concept because oh, to remind right. myself from, to say from you. I, I thought I thought JD was sending us um, <laughs> messages via the live word doc from Africa. Right, money miners. Uh, there we go. Uh, who if, you, if you're listening to this, the YouTube might be a bit late, but we'll get the audio up as quick as possible. Beautiful. If you and if you're listening to it, you know it's up. Right, Roger that. Roger. The information contained in this episode of Money of Mine is of general nature only and does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. Before making any investment decision, you should consult with your financial advisor and consider how appropriate the advice is to your objectives, financial situation and needs.